Good morning, everybody. Everybody having a good week? Is everybody ready for this uh, holiday that we call Thanksgiving? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Man, it sounds like some of you guys started early. I've seen some pictorial evidence that some people started early here in this congregation. You look at what on the screen behind me. It says, what are you thankful for? And how thankful are you? I'm going to read you a little passage of scripture, and I was trying to remember this uh, this morning, um, because I heard something on K-Love yesterday as I was driving to the airport to come up here. And in, on the K-Love, it was talking about uh, the blessings that we have, but how often times, ooh, that fan, how often times do we grumble and complain and yet offer Thanksgiving in the same breath? We grumble and complain about all the things we don't have, and yet we give thanks in the same breath. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, giving blessings and cursings with the same tongue. I believe James talks about that, amen? And so we look at this. I just want to read you something. Going all the way back to Numbers, I think it was around chapter 21, we learn about how the children of, of God, the Israelites, continued to grumble against the Lord. And I'm not, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, starting in about verse 6, notice what it says here. Now these things happened as examples for us, that we should not crave evil things as they, meaning the Jews, also craved, the Israelites, God's chosen people. And do not be idolaters as some of them were. And it was written that the people sat down to eat and they drink, and they stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord. Meaning, let us not test the Lord by grumbling and complaining as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. And so we know, what was the conclusion? Well, if you know the scriptures and you know the story, going back to Numbers chapter 21, during all the grumbling, grumbling and complaining, the Lord was fed up. Do you know what he sensed? He sent a bunch of snakes, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, poisonous snakes that started to bite the people, and the people were dying literally by the thousands. And so they, were, they come to Moses, and they, come, uh, and they say, please, you know, please uh, reach out, implore on the Lord on our behalf. And so uh, Moses calls upon the name of the Lord, and we know that he had to, to, to create the, the bronze standard, and he, and he holds it up, and anybody, if they looked upon the standard, What? They were healed. But if they didn't look upon the standard, they what? They died. And so, A, we see an example of that, of how we are to do all things that the Lord has asked us to do, because faith and belief isn't good enough. You actually have to obey. Was it okay, and would, would it matter enough? And this is really going in a different direction, but since I'm here, going, uh, when you look at obedience, right, when they looked at the cross, if they just believed, uh, or if they just believed but didn't look at the cross, would they be saved? No, they would have died. And so just believing in Jesus isn't enough. You have to make Jesus the Lord of your life. But speaking of this lesson here this morning on Thanksgiving and how thankful we are, who are we, what are we thankful for? How often do we stop and give thanks for our great many wonderful blessings, but how often do we give thanks for those blessings and then grumble in the same breath? And so, brethren, I want to just point out to you that the New Testament has many numerous passages that speak about how we are to not uh, be grumblers and complainers against the Lord. And yet we find grumblers and complainers in the church against the Lord. 
That's why I read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 there, because that first passage I read in around verse 6 said it was written for our instruction. Learn from the lessons. Learn from those mistakes that they made. Because this morning I asked the question, as we gather here this morning, what are you thankful for? And how thankful are you? How thankful are you? And what are you thankful for? As we consider this question, I simply ask, how often is God at the top of that list? I think sometimes he's at the top of the list, but I think sometimes life gets in the way and he starts to slide a little bit, amen? And maybe sometimes our hobbies become more important. Maybe they supersede God. Maybe sometimes our careers supersede God. Maybe sometimes our families, our children, or our, our spouses will supersede God. And sometimes we end up being more thankful for those things than we are for God himself, the God who created us and who gives us everything we need for our everyday blessings and who gives us everything we need in order to, to receive eternal blessings so that way we can be blessed for an eternity. But it goes back to making sure that we understand that we are to learn from Numbers chapter 21. We're to learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where it says it was written for our instruction about the things that happened to those early believers, those are the first people who were chosen by God. And so, brethren, I want you to notice on the screen behind me, the first passage of Scripture that we're going to look at is Psalm 100. It's a very short psalm. And notice what it says. This is a psalm about Thanksgiving. Appropriate for the time, amen? Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and we, not, not, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Does that sound familiar, sheep of his pasture? I believe somebody was talking about that last week. And so we, you continue on in verse 4, and it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness is to all generations. You look at Psalm 100 in verses 1 through 5. You look at this psalm of thanksgiving. And I ask the question, what are you thankful for? Is God at the top of that list of what you're thankful for? Or does God start to slide and then you start to supplant him with other things or other people or other relationships? As Christians, brethren, we get to experience the greatest joy. It's a spiritual joy through our relationship with God. You see, because there's nothing on this earth that could give us the same type of love, the same type of inner strength, the same type of peace, the same type of joy that our relationship does with God. If you fully believe in the promises, if you fully give your life over to God, that's why when Pat was just talking about the Lord's Supper, and he said sometimes you could think on these things. You could think about the death, the burial, and resurrection. You could think about all that Jesus gave up, to, uh, gave up and how he, was, how he was tortured on our behalf, that if given enough time and enough thought, it could literally give you chills. It could literally bring tears to your eyes. Why? Because you realize how blessed you are, and you realize that you don't really deserve those blessings. Isn't that what grace is? Something that we receive that we don't deserve? And so, brethren, as Christians, because of God's love, because his love endures, because his, his faithfulness goes to all generations, 
It's, it's what gives us a deep-seated joy, a joy that we can experience in the time of trials that James chapter 1 talks about. It's, a, it's, a, it's an inner strength, an inner peace that nothing in this world can, can, that can provide us with that. And so, brothers and sisters, Psalm 100 also instructs us to be so thankful that we what? What, is it very, what do those first few words say? Shout for joy! Brethren, you should be so thankful to God that you're willing to shout it from the mountaintops. That you're willing to talk to anybody and everybody about the joy, the peace, the inner strength that you have as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember, you are a child of God. So you are, so, you are to serve the Lord with gladness in your hearts. Remember always that we are to uh, reflect on God's loving kindness, reflect on how his faithfulness goes out to all generations, and then in, encourage others, implore others to make Jesus the Lord of their lives because you should love them enough to want them to experience that same joy and peace that you have and that, with the relationship you have with your Heavenly Father. Brothers and sisters, his faithfulness is for all generations, and we are the people, the sheep of his pasture, as we so talked about last week. As we talked about the Lord is my shepherd, as we talked about what it means to be a, uh, to be a sheep in the pasture of the Lord. And then the next question I think about uh, is, how thankful are we for salvation? How often do you think about your salvation? I mean, Seriously. I mean, I know we, we partake of the Lord's Supper, do this or remember me. It says right on the front of the table. And we come together once a week and we do it. But is that the only time you think of your salvation? I mean, your salvation, it, shouldn't your salvation, the sacrifice that God made on our behalf, should that not be on the forefront of your mind regularly? It makes me think of what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You look at that passage of scripture, and I want us to remember that all of us were Gentiles before what? Before we became Christians, before our baptism, before we clothed ourselves with Christ, we were all outside of the body of Christ. We were all once living without hope and with no hope in this world. And so we were children of wrath because of the sin that separated us from a holy and righteous God. But praise be to God, brethren. And this is why I ask you how often you think about your salvation. Praise be to God that we who had no hope had been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, who has cleansed us of all iniquity and unrighteousness, and who has brought us back into relationship with himself and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so, brethren, this morning I ask you, what are you thankful for? How often is God at the top of your lift list? Does he stay at the top of your lift? Or because of life, does he start to slide and start to kind of fall down the list? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves because at the end of the day, we have to be faithful until the end in order to receive the crown of life, right? How can we be faithful if God isn't even at the top of our list of priorities? That he is not even the one who comes first in our lives. Brethren, I want you to understand that we have to be so thankful and we have so much to be thankful for. The next passage of scripture that's on the screen behind me is a passage of scripture that we've seen all the time. And people hold up uh, placards or billboards or signs at, at, at sporting events and different things with John 3.16 on it. And what does it tell us? For God so loved the world. He didn't just love the world, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? But have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, God gives grace. But remember that grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. And so we need to make sure that we consider, we reflect upon often the grace that God gives. We reflect often on the love that God gives, on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and be thankful that your creator loves you enough to send his own son to take on flesh and to die a horrible death. Let the joy and the hope that is in you be known to all mankind. And brethren, this should give, give you a type of light, a type of joy that is inside you that nothing in this world can offer. It reminds me of this little poem I've seen. It says, smile, brother, smile. And when you smile, others smile. And then soon there are miles and miles of smiles. Life is worthy, life is worthwhile if you smile. So smile, brother, smile. It's because it's almost like it's contagious. Have you ever been around somebody who's happy all the time? Have you ever been around somebody who is loving and kind and, 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 and affectionate and compassionate and funny? It, aren't those people, don't, aren't you like kind of drawn to those type of people? But what about the type of people who complain and grumble all the time? And woe is me, and the world's always falling in, and they have more problems than anybody else. And their problems are always bigger than everybody else's problems. You ever met those people? Do you, are you drawn to those same people the way that you're drawn to the people who have joy in their heart? They have peace and inner strength and joy and love in their heart? Brothers and sisters, we need to make sure that when we're around others, that we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we, as the representatives of God to the world, don't conduct ourselves as, woe is me, my life is horrible, and the world is falling in, and everything is terrible. Hey, can I tell you about my, my Lord and Savior Jesus? Who wants to know your God? You're miserable all the time. Brethren, we need to make sure that we put on a good face. Not a, a, not a, a, a face that's uh, uh, phony. We don't want to be phony. But we need to make sure that when we're out in the world, that yes, I have problems. But guess what? I also have blessings. Anybody here every, have everyday blessings in their lives? Anybody here going to celebrate Thanksgiving and have a, a big turkey dinner on your table? Whether your table or a family member's table, and you got clothes on your back, and you got, uh, well, I was talking to a couple this morning here in the building, and they were saying how thankful they were for something called indoor plumbing. <laughs> because for a week they went without indoor plumbing, and they realized, hey, that's a blessing too. <laughs> Electricity, indoor plumbing, heating and cooling. These are things that we so many times take for granted, but we have everyday blessings. Roofs over our head, vehicles to drive, financial resources, so many things. We have everyday blessings. But you know what we also have? Eternal blessings. And so I want us to make sure that we have a joy in our heart that even in the midst of the storm, the world could see that joy in us. Why? Because being a child of God gives us inner strength. And so we need to lift up praises to God for the sacrifices that Jesus Christ had made, not only for you and me, but for the entirety of the world. Lift up praises to God for Jesus because he took upon the sin of the world on his own back. He took upon the sin of the world to the cross and he suffered a horrible death for something he never did. Lift up praises to God for the Holy Spirit that dwells within each and every baptized believer. 
Because at baptism, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So yes, indeed, brethren, we have much to be thankful for this holiday season. But not just one day a year, as the calendar states, but every single day of the year. No matter the, the medical diagnosis, you still have blessings. You know why? Because there's medical. we have medical, some of the best medical treatments in the world, in this country, to help us to get through those medical diagnoses that come, and they take us by surprise. We have all types of civil uh, and social services that people can take advantage of if they're having if they have struggle in their life. And then you have the body of Christ who's supposed to support one another, build each other up, encourage one another. And to do what? To bear each other's burdens. Brethren, we are blessed so much. But yet, why is it that so many people in the richest country in the world find more to complain about than be thankful for? Did you ever think about that? Did you know that they say, the Bible says, you know, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into heaven? Did you know we're the rich man? Did you know we're in the richest, you know, 1% of the world? Have you ever thought about that? How most people, I think it's something I've seen in a stat recently was like 60, 70% of the world lives on less than $10 a day. Anybody here got more than $10? Anybody here have considerably more than $10? You see, brethren, we have so much to be thankful for. But I want to make sure that I make sure we get back to understanding, are you thankful for your salvation? Because Jesus makes, we need to make sure he never slips down the list of our priorities. We need to make sure that he's always at the list, always at the top of what we are thankful for first, where we first and foremost uh, give of our time and our resources. Why? Because of all that he has done for us. So yes, indeed, brethren, each and every day we all have something to be thankful for. I have heard it said in the past that joy is born of confidence and not uncertainty. Have you ever heard that? Joy is born of confidence and not of uncertainty. And I encourage you all of the time. How, how often have you guys heard me say that we need to study to show ourselves approved? And why do I and other preachers and the elders and other Bible school teachers teach that we are to study to show ourselves approved? Because joy is born of confidence and not uncertainty. So each of you can have confidence in the promises of God. Each of you can have a convicted faith if you've actually put in the sweat equity to actually study out the things and why you believe what you believe. There's too many people that I know and who I've talked with who don't believe about certain things, but yet... If you ask them, they say, I've never studied it. I've never looked into it. I don't know. I just know what people have said. And so it causes doubt in my mind. Well, that's called the local news. That's called the, the, the national news. You have all these different pundits. You watch this station. You think the world is, uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be gone in 10 years because of environmental problems. You talk to this station. You listen to this station over here. And they talk about the fallacy of that, of that station and their ideologies. And so whatever blog or podcast or station that you're getting your information from, how often do you vet that information? How often do you vet the information that I'm giving you from the pulpit? Because how do you know if I'm a false teacher or not? If you're not willing to then study to show thyself approved so you can have confidence in why you believe what you believe and who you believe in, if you don't actually study out the things that I say, if you don't research to see if I'm telling the truth, 
Do you think there's anything called false teachers in Christianity? Does the Bible talk about or say anything about false teachers in Christianity? And yet, why is it that most of the people in Christianity, in Christendom, don't even verify the things that come from the pulpit? Or the things that their denominations or even the Lord's Church teach? Brethren, we need to make sure that if we want to have confidence in the things uh, uh, that we believe, confidence in who we are and whom we stand with, we need to put in the time and effort to study to show ourselves approved, to see if these things are in fact true. And brethren, that's why it says in Psalm 46, when I look at the next passage of Scripture, Psalm 46 and uh, 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Know that I am God. How could I know that he is God? You put some time and effort in, and you study the word, and then you compare the word with what we do know and what other sources of history teach, and that God doesn't design us to have a blind faith. He says you can know. I am God. How do I know that? Because you look at the next passage of Scripture behind me in Romans 1 and 20 and 21. And what, is these, what do these passages tell us? For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. What does it say? So you and me are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And they did not give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish hearts had become darkened. Brothers and sisters, you look at what Paul is telling the people of Rome there. How many of us believe in God, but do not honor God the way that we should? How many of us believe in God, and yet still grumble and complain against God, and the church, and the kingdom, and the world, and my parents, and my family, and my situation, and my kids, and my career? And we're complaining and complaining and complaining all the time. And yet the Bible talks about that very topic in a vast majority of the New Testament books. That we are not to grumble and to complain. But I look at this and I think about how we are to honor God with our lives. But how can I honor God in my life if I'm not even fully thankful for all that he has done for me? Meaning, are you thankful for salvation? Are you thankful for those everyday blessings like indoor plumbing? Heating and cooling, right? Electricity, roofs over our head, clothes on our back, food that, we, that we're provided for every day. Did the, did the Israelites of old, in their, time of the, uh, in their time of wandering, did they get food and water provided for them by God in abundance? And yet they still complained, I loathe this terrible food. Instead of saying, I thank you, Lord of heaven and earth, for this blessing this day. How often do we complain about the food? Right? Something to think about. We look at all the scriptures here this morning. Ask yourself, do you honor God more than you honor yourself? That's another question that's a good question to ask. How often do you stop and thank God for all that you have? It makes me think of this next passage of scripture on the screen behind me in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23 and 24. And it says, thus says the Lord. Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, talking about God, that I am the Lord who exercises what? Loving kindness, loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things. 
Brothers and sisters, who here boasts in knowledge? Who here boasts in their material things, their material blessings, all that you have? Who here boasts in their retirements or their, or their material things like their, their, uh, their, their, their accounts, their checkings, and their savings? Who here boasts in their kids' achievements? Who here boasts in their own achievements? Instead, what the Lord is simply saying in that passage of Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 24, don't boast in yourself. Don't boast in worldly things or worldly accomplishments. Instead, you need to boast in the Lord. We should be boasting not in ourselves, but of God. Boast in the sacrifices that Jesus made on your behalf. Boast in the fact that God provides for the things you do have, and you only have them because of God and his provision for your life. Boast in the fact that God has provided you with the talents that you have in order to be successful in the career of your choice. To be successful in the endeavors in which you partake. Boast in the fact that God has blessed you with those talents. Boast in the fact, brethren, that God has provided us uh, with the Holy Spirit that dwells within each and every one of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus. Brethren, we all have something to be thankful for. It makes me think of what the Apostle Paul said to the people of Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, where he says simply this. In everything. What? Give thanks, not for some things, not in good times only, but in all times, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Brethren, it doesn't say to only give thanks in the good times, does it? Isn't it easy to give thanks in the good times? You know what's also easy in the good times? It's easy to be a Christian in the good times. It's easy to be a Christian when everything is going right. My marriage is strong. My career is strong. My kids are obedient, right? It's easy to be strong when my health is good, my finances are good, and I have everything that life has to offer in abundance. It's easy to be a Christian. Let those things start to disappear a little bit, though. Let your career start to struggle. Your marriage start to struggle. Your kids are not being as obedient as they should or as you would like them to be. Your finances aren't what they used to be. Your health isn't what it used to be. And are you still thankful? Or do you start to spiral into grumbling and complaining? And woe is me. And you start to then forget about all the things you took, granted, took for granted. And you start to forget about all the little blessings. The everyday blessings. Let alone the eternal blessings. See, brethren, it's important that we as Christians oftentimes remember the great many wonderful promises that God has made on our behalf. Because to the one who remains faithful until the end is what? We receive the crown of life. You know, I have also heard that it was said that familiarity breeds complacency. Have you ever heard that? Familiarity breeds complacency. And so we need, to remind, we need a reminder every so often that what? That the body of Christ is the best place to be. Not the world, but the body of Christ. Amongst the people who love God with a, with a deep-seated passion. Amongst people who love the Lord so much that they can't contain the joy that is in them, but they have to tell people about their Jesus. They have to tell people about the blessings in their life and show them the, the calm inner strength that we have even in the midst of the storm because I realize my eternal blessings. And that I'm not, uh, this, this world is not my home. Don't we sing a song about that? world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Passing through. And yet we grumble and we complain many times 
about the things that are taking place or the lack of things that we have in this world that is not really my home. I'm a temporary citizen or resident of this planet until God calls me home and I receive eternal blessings. Brothers and sisters, God watches over all of his children. It's called the providence of God. Have you ever heard of the providence of God? And in the providence of God, it means it's, it's his divine care, his divine guidance in our very lives. And it makes me think about the idea that we are to smile and to be happy and joy-laden people because God loves you. He cares for you. He provides for you. And he's given you on the screen, what does it say he's given you? An incredible gift. And what is this incredible gift that God has given to mankind? His son, Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our, our God, our mediator. He has, in fact, given us a, a, an incredible gift. And something to be thankful for each and every day. Before I shut this lesson down, I'm going to give you a quick little story. And this story has to do with perspective. There was a man who was very wealthy, and he decided one day that he wanted to show his son how the, well, other half lives. And so he, he, uh, he rented out a, a room from a, a very a family that has a local farm, and they have many of the daily blessings of life, but not many of the um, bigger worldly blessings, if you will. They had their daily needs provided, but they were rather poor in comparison to many of the other people in their community. And so the father rented a room from this poor family because he wanted to show his son how poor people live. And so, on the so they go there, they spend several nights, and on the way home from the, from the trip, the father said to his son, he said, hey, how was the trip? And he said, dad, he goes, it was great. And he says, well, did you get to see how poor people live? And he said, oh, yeah. He goes, I, I got to see how poor, or poor people live. And dad was like, well, then tell me about your experience. Tell me about what your perception was. He says, what I noticed is, he goes, I noticed that I only have one dog. They have four dogs. We have a pool that reaches to the, to the middle of the garden. But they have, uh, we have a pool that reaches to the middle of the garden, but they have a creek that has no end. He says, we have imported lanterns in our garden, but they have the stars that light up the sky at night. It says, our patio reaches to the front yard, but they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on, but they, their fields go beyond my sight. He says, we have servants that serve us, but they serve one another. He says, but we buy, he says, we buy our food, but they actually grow their food. We have walls to protect us, but they have friends and family that protect them. And then the boy's father looked at him speechless, and the son replied to his dad, Dad, I really want to thank you for showing me how poor we really are. Isn't perspective an amazing thing? Perspective. It makes you wonder what would happen if we all gave thanks for every little possible thing that we have in this life instead of worrying about every possible thing we don't have in this life. And so, brethren, as I shut this down, I just want to take a minute myself to say thank you. Thank you to this congregation for your love and your commitment. Not to, to me, but your love and commitment to God. Your love and commitment to the elders of this congregation. Your love and commitment to the congregation as a whole and all the work that we do. 
and all the works that we're able to support because of, the, of all the means that you give and all that you give back in order to further the work here at Lincoln Park. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for the love and for the friendship that you have shown to me as well as to my family in the time that we've been with you. We thank you for all that you do in order to further the kingdom of God because we understand without the kingdom of God we are nothing and that I have nothing except an eternal uh, uh, bleakness, if you will. Because without God, without his promises, I die and then there's nothing. But I, I could suffer with joy in my heart on this planet. I could go through the difficulties of life knowing what God has promised, knowing that he is faithful to every generation, knowing the love that he has for us, that he loved us so much, he did what? He gave his only begotten son. And so I reflect on these things, and I want you to reflect on these things. Brethren, I am so thankful that God has blessed me with a loving, hardworking wife, two wonderful children. I'm thankful uh, for all the opportunities that the Lord has blessed me with. I'm thankful to stand before you and to individually and as well as a group help you to have a deeper understanding of the Word of God. These are all things that so many of us can be thankful for. But you know what I'm most thankful for? If you haven't caught on to this part of the lesson here this morning, we could go over it again. I'm most thankful for Jesus Christ. He's my mediator, my God, my Lord. And so I am so thankful for his blessings. So thankful that he found us worthy enough. Not even worthy, that's not even the right word. So thankful that he loved us enough, even in our weakest, most wretched state, to say, I'm going to give them another shot. I'm going to give my creation another shot to bring themselves into relationship with me, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to suffer a gruesome death because I love you that much. Do you love me enough, meaning Jesus, to be obedient? Because last time I checked, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So we have a command in the Bible here this morning. We have a command in the Bible, and it was those same people in Acts chapter 2 who were pricked to the heart after hearing a lesson, after hearing a history lesson about God and his word and his people. And 3,000 of them were pricked to the hearts because they realized that they were guilty of the things that Peter spoke of. And they said, well, brethren, what can we do? And he says, you need to repent, and you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins so you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that God himself will add you to the kingdom. So if you are here this morning and you are not a child of God, you have not put on Christ in baptism as we learn about in Romans chapter 6, you have an opportunity right now to change that, to change your destiny, to have an indescribable joy, peace, and strength that you can't receive from anything in the world. So if you want to be a child of God, you can come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>